0: I met my wife through gaming. We both worked uh, at the same company and a co-worker of ours started up a little one-shot game, uh, invited us each to play. And that was the first time I had sat next to her for more than, oh, say 30 seconds at a time. So that was the first time we really met. Uh, we got along pretty well and within a year after that, we were engaged. So... That's my gaming story. It turns out gaming has done pretty well for me. My name is Andy Collins, and I am the Gamerati.
1: Gamerati.com. It's good to be a gamer. Right. Welcome, everyone, to Behind the DM Screen, with your hosts, Jeff Greiner, Mike <laughs> Shea, and myself, Randall Walker.
2: That was a beautiful introduction, man. Hold well on. Mike Selas,
0: the voice. My, my wife. The- my wife told me that last the, that the last podcast I was way too negative and I hated everything. <laughs>
2: that's, that's typical for you. Yeah, I guess. You're, you're so the you're the the. My goal is to
0: maintain that same level of dedication. <laughs> so that's that, all right. You could be Captain Bringdown for the group. That's okay. Captain Bringdown. They're like you hated everything. I'm like I like the name we came up with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and hated all the other names people hated suggested. All <laughs> yeah, you're. Now, that, if you're, you're listening that for the
1: first time, if you're if you're if you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, listeners, and this is the chit chat portion of the show, we'll get past that in a minute, and we'll get right down to it.
2: That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people have been been a little concerned about the the amount of chit chat, and I think that we had a little bit of extra chit chat in the last episode because we were deciding on a name, and so there was a little chit chat for that, and some of it was just us being chit chatty. Well, yeah. So, but we are aware of it, and we, we will be conscious of that, and make sure to to get into it. You know, one person actually suggested that we do the show more like this guy, Mike Shea, over on the Critical Hits podcast, and try to Did get, they really? try to try to get to the point in the first five minutes.
0: Oh. They didn't. They <laughs> didn't specifically bring up that podcast, though, right? Because nobody they, listens to that. They
2: absolutely brought up that. Podcast. Really? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. That's awesome. Sorry, this one's great too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, sure. Anything with the great Mike Shea in it is fantastic. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, this, you know, that one's, uh, you know, I'm not good at math. What, like 24% better because there's only two of us and I'm one of them.
2: <laughs> I see. This one, there's three. So the Mike Shay is diluted a little more? <laughs> yeah, right. Mike Shea yeah, is deluded.
0: Right. It's a little bit more delusion. Delusion is right. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right
2: on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Then we are gonna we're gonna mix some things up a little bit this time around because um, we have spons- we have two sponsors to mention. Usually we just we in the past we've just had the one and I've I've tagged them on at the beginning, uh, but this time I'm going to use the sponsors as sort of a break in between each of our campaigns. So sounds good. But for now, um, I have sketched out a, a, an outline for tonight, and it starts with Mike. Really. I decided to give you first shot today.
0: Awesome, because I got thrown in the back of the bus last time. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, So should I just start? (laughs) Yeah, go to it. Uh, So I ran my second um, uh, Gardmore Abbey game last night, as a matter of fact. Um, I, I think I talked, yeah, I talked about, no, I didn't talk about my first game. We had talked about what we were going to do in my first game. And some of it worked really well and some of it didn't work very well at all. The uh, idea of kind of starting in the middle, starting in the final battle of the first five levels of their game when they had no idea what was happening. They they dug that, but they really didn't like having to come up with backstories on the spot. They were like, I really don't know anything about my character or anything about this world or anything about who the hell that villain is. And they were not quite in a mood to start coming up with stuff.
2: So there, was it a problem with the, the concept or a problem with how creative they were feeling that night.
0: Well, probably certainly maybe, maybe with my both. approach. <laughs> okay. Certainly with my approach, because they didn't know that that's what they were going to have to do. Sure. So they didn't have any time. Like if I had said, okay, you know, be prepared. Cause each, each, each round, we're going to do this. If I had done that, you know, sent out an email a few days earlier or whatever, that probably would have been better. And I thought the surprise would be part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, and some people got into it and they kind of just shouted war cries or that time you, that time we fought you in the woods, you know, four months ago. And, so we wrote it all down, you know, one of the guys in the table wrote it all down. So we have little bits of backstory, but some people are just like, whatever, I hit him with my sword. Um,
2: but they <laughs> so like, they like
0: the idea it. of kind of having the big climactic battle at the very first battle of this campaign. And it worked w- very well into Gardmore because the, 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 uh, ice mage that they fought, uh, had the first, uh, card of the deck of many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they fought some orcs on the way to the town, and then they started to get to know the NPCs. So I still hadn't quite done the full sandbox, go wherever you want kind of game for that one. I still knew that they were going to have a big battle against the dragon in the first battle, and then in the second battle they're probably going to get ambushed by some orcs on the way. Um, and it wasn't until last night that I really just said, I don't know where they're going to go. They're going to start in Winterhaven, and they've got six quests, and I don't know which one they're going to go after.
2: And, and, you, and you had all of them prepped, or they're all in Gardmore Abbey.
0: Uh, all the quests were in Gardmore Abbey. Okay, right, all the quests tied to Gardmore Abbey somehow. Um, but Gardmore Abbey, you can kind of hit it from a bunch of different angles. You know, you don't, you don't. Great. Like you go through the front gate and fight the orcs, you can go over the wall and kind of scout it from the, you know, the other side or you can try to go up the cliff face on the, on the western side. And they, they went for the cliff face which was good because like even an hour before the game I'm getting like these nervous, you know, I'm shaking and I'm getting these weird like panic attacks <laughs> because I'm like I need to build a Dwarven Forge thing. You know, like they're, they're going to come over expecting something and I got nothing. I got a giant empty table. You know, and then they did. They came over, and like the very first guy's like, "I really like what you've done with tonight's encounter arrangement." You know, being a, being a pain in the ass. And um, but you know, and I was I I almost started. I I did. I started to put one together. I started to put together the front gates and said, "I'm just gonna. St- I can't. I can't let them go wherever they want. I got to put them through the front gates." And they ended up not going to the front gate. So I was really glad that I didn't make it. You know. Mm-hmm. Because the front gates is a big 3D kind of thing. It's got big towers and there's archers in the towers and all this stuff. So it would have been, you know, a great Dwarven Forge setup. But if you set it up, they're going there because you're not going to have this giant thing sitting in the middle of the table that they never go to. Um, And I'm glad they didn't because they ended up going to the back and they ended up, you know, hitting the first two major buildings that are actually at the top of Gardmore Abbey, which, you know, are, are... not real difficult, but kind of. They've already now opened two of the doors that kind of head down into the, the 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 vaults and the catacombs below, and I don't know which one they're going to go to next week. Um, so the game last night went real well. You know, fair bit of role playing. Uh, I I have. Ever since I heard Robert Schwab say that skill challenges should die in a fire, I've decided that (laughs) I am going to embrace that wholeheartedly. And I will never run another skill challenge again. I will only run scenes, and those scenes will involve skill checks or not. And those skill checks may be interrelated or not. But I'm not going to do any kind of systematic failures or advantages or, you know, whatever. I'm going to let all of them go organically. And I've been doing that, and it's been much I've been a lot happier with it. Like, I don't need the extra structure of a skill challenge. I'm happy to have, you know, sets of skill checks yeah. are fine. I,
2: I've, I've turned my skill challenges into much more organic storytelling things. They're yeah. so much nicer. It, yeah. yeah. And, and you don't have
0: to prep them, right? Because you don't, you don't, you know, I, I talked about last week or last month, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to find ways to save time and prep or, or not save time because I don't want to like not have to do anything, but make sure that the time is spent on the right thing. And kind of coming up with a structure of a skill challenge when, you know, that's. I I think a lot of the stuff that we do in preparation ends up limiting the game rather than making it better.
1: Oh, I think I agree with that
0: 100%. Yeah. And and I think building skill challenges is one one of those. Uh huh. Um, You know, now, now of course, there's probably skill challenges in Gardmore Abbey. And although I don't recall really seeing many, I don't know. I have to look harder. But, you know, there might be. Yeah, but you don't, you know, I'm sure I can just kind of, you know, choose whatever I want to choose. Um, but the sandbox thing is really hard for me. Um, part of it is that I feel like I've got this big investment in Dwarven Forge and I should use it. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, which just got reinforced with me. It's something I've, I've, I've really felt for a long time. And it was, you know, last night when all they're all sitting there staring at me, I felt it more than anything else, which is I just hate dungeon tiles hate them. <laughs> and, oh, because, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, I, I had this big Ziploc bag. I went through all the trouble of finding all of the pieces that I was going to need for any of the maps that they might go to. But because I don't know where they're going and because I don't have an infinite supply of dungeon tiles, I couldn't build out every room and have all the rooms separated out. So I've got one bag that's got all of the dungeon ones and another one that's got all of the overland ones. And then they go to the dungeon and I dump the whole bag. And there I am sorting them out on the table mm-hmm. like an animal trying to find the right tiles in order to set up this stupid room. And I'm flipping them over one by one and I can't find the one that's got the water with the little well in it. And mm-hmm. I'm standing there and here's six people staring at me. Yeah. Right? Yep. Waiting for uh, me to set this crap up. Okay. Here's,
2: here's my first piece of advice. Yeah. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Uh, Dungeon tiles are are great when, like Dwarven Forge, you can set them up ahead of time.
0: Right. But Mm -hmm. I go back to the other one, which is, is that really where our time is best spent? Like, the problem is, I now spent time sorting through those freaking dungeon tiles just to get them in the bag so Mm -hmm. I'd have all the right pieces. And now I'm spending time at the game setting them up. Right? It's like, why don't I just draw it? So I'm just going to, next week, or next time we get together, we're... um, I don't I think I'll be running one more one or two more guardmore games before um our next show because I've got a, a mm-hmm. uh week off and then a playtest, not a d Next playtest, a playtest for something else. Uh I cannot confirm nor deny any involvement in d Next. Um <laughs> the uh Jeez. It's true. I can I yeah, yeah I I guarantee true. you that is not a D&D Next playtest. So the um I'm not using dungeon tiles anymore. I'm going to put down I, – I bought one of the new Pizo flip mats. They're not new. They're new to me. The the blank Paizo. Um, they are awesome. I have but, four of them. Yeah, and I'm going to put that down and I'm going to put a nice big sheet of acrylic over the top of it. And then when they go there, I'm going to draw right on, right on the acrylic. Yeah, and I do, I do that with, with my
2: chest X, Matt, and that's the best thing to do if you're doing stuff on the fly.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it, it's, it's certainly going to be faster because I'm not doing it twice like I did with the other dungeon tiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, like, I, had to, I knew this before. Like, I gave away. I had a huge box of dungeon tiles of all the old sets, you know, it's all the old out-of-print ones. And I gave them to a friend of mine who runs, who runs another game uh, that my wife and I play in uh, for, his, uh, for his wedding. You know, that was our wedding gift to him it was his giant pocket. And he loves them. He's like, oh, yeah. And I said, honey, do you do? I, said, I spent about three or four hours setting it up. Like, oh, God.
2: You know, just time. But, so that, but uh, some sometimes that's, I mean, people enjoy that those kinds of things sometimes you know, too. Right, and if you enjoy
0: it, you enjoy it, and that's fine. But yeah. then there's, I, I still wonder. It's like,
2: yeah, you
0: might find, you know, you might enjoy it,
2: but you still might also think that you're being productive. Well, the, you, so you just got to learn not to fool yourself. Like every and, now, every and, now and then. Right. Every now and then, I'll pull out the the dungeon tiles, or I'll print off a PDF and you know build something out of cardstock or whatever. Uh, and I enjoy doing that every, now and now and again, but I don't do it most of the time, uh, you know. And and honestly, probably the times that I do it that I pull that kind of stuff out most often is like over the summer because I'm a teacher and I'm on break and I have a little bit more free time in my life.
0: Right. Right. And my, my thing is like, I can't remember the names of the PCs for crying out loud. (laughs) So I can't remember their names, much less anything they did or any background because I've been spending all my time messing around with dungeon tiles. And, you know, it's like maybe I should actually sit down and kind of figure out the PCs and, A, remember who they are and what their background is and figure out how I can tie their backgrounds into the different spots in Gardevoir. How much more useful would that be? And how much more fun would they have because now I've really tied their characters in? So, you know, that's – but sometimes that's harder. Like sometimes it's like, no, I want to sit down a monk with the dungeon tiles, right? Like it's a little – you know, it's got nice boundaries on it and it's not this giant open field of creativity Mm -hmm. where you have to dig deep. You know, it's far easier to just – sit down on the floor of the big box of dungeon tiles and mess with them. But, you know, I don't think it necessarily makes the game better. Um, yeah, so so I, I, I'm officially done. I, I don't know if I'm – probably use little pieces here and there because they've got some good detail. You know, every time I say I'm done, then they put out a set. <laughs> and you buy them. <laughs> and I buy it. yeah. Um,
2: I think I just bought a, new, I had a couple new uh, dungeon tiles. I need, well, I, 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 I need I a few more to out. round out my order to get up yeah, to the, the free I shipping.
0: I don't remember what the latest one. There's one that's coming out next month. And they gave it away as one of the if you ran games at DDXP, they were you know if you ran so many games you could get one. I picked that one up, and what I like about I can't remember what it's called. Hang on, um, and I uh, I liked that one. Uh, Caves of, uh, Cathedral of Chaos, it's called. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, okay. uh, is it out already? I guess it's out. Yeah.
2: Maybe maybe premier stores out.
0: No, it's out on Amazon. It's out on Amazon. And uh, what I like about it is it's got little – it's got additional tokens for things like walls and dancing swords and, you know, spiritual hammers. So it's got little tokens for those little – Pain in the ass little pets that your PCs often have, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I guess we're gonna have to use this owl bear because I don't have a dancing sword mini. <laughs> so this one, <laughs> right? so this one has, or like, how, how many times is uh, you know people put a die out on the thing, and you think you can't remember is that a die you were rolling, or is that some kind of thing I need to avoid? Um, so this one, you know, the tokens for this actually uh, help quite a bit. So I liked chaos, uh, Cathedral Chaos for that, and the tiles aren't bad, but um, it's just you know. I've, I've gone on enough about dungeon tiles. Um, but the, the, the whole concept of sandbox gaming is still something that's, that's really challenging for me Mm -hmm. that, you know, just, I, I want to put them in a box. I want to put them on rails really bad. And I'm, and, and I'm, you know, Gardmore is not written that way. And that means that I can't, if I'm going to do that, it's going to be pretty extreme to do that. And, and, you know, and the players, I kind of had a mix of reactions. I said, like, how'd you guys feel about it? and, you know, some some players were, you know, said, well, they, they really if made them feel like they had ownership over it. They liked, they felt like it was theirs instead of mine. And and I thought that was a pretty mm. telling piece. Mm-hmm. of it. And um, then I had other people who are like, I kind of like to know where I'm going, and I kind of like you to tell me. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
2: they just they weren't like anything. that too. But on on the <laughs> other hand, some of those players that like to be told where to go. Even in a a sandbox situation, we'll have the other players to tell them where to go. (laughs) You know, the the people who are into it will be the leaders and they'll make the decisions.
0: Right. They they felt like there was a lot of debate and that the debate was frustrating and that because it's not my – I'm not involved, right? I'm just sitting back kind of eating M&Ms and listening while they chat about whether or not they're going to go down into the depths of the vault or whether they're going to go across to the other temple, which was the place they were supposed to go in the first place. And, or they, they thought they were supposed to go in the first place. You know, they they can really kind of go wherever they want, and so they kind of you know there was a, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Like they went, you know, they they went and they cleared out one room, and then they went down to the cellar and they they you know went through one little interesting challenge, and then they went back upstairs and went to the other building again. So then they they feel like well we're kind of all over the place because it's a committee deciding where we're going instead of you know leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it. There is a room. Can I do a spoiler? Sure. Uh, there is a room in Gardmore Abbey that is an exact. And I wonder. I got to find out who actually wrote it because it's an exact replica of the original cover of the AD&D Player's Handbook. It's got the demon oh, statue right. with yeah, ruby eyes, and yeah. you know, guys picking it out, and it's got a big bowl full of fire that it's holding in its lap, and it, you know. And I was like, "No kidding!" And I, so, I, so, luckily, I mean, on the spot, I you know went and, and found the the, the picture of, and I said, "This is what you see," you know, <laughs> like, like, "Wow, is that the AD?" You know, yeah. So that was very cool. Um, so I, you know, even last night, I kind of ended the game by saying, "Okay, you now where do you guys think you're going to head next next time we get together?" And you know, a couple of them like, "Well, I think we're gonna end up going to go into the category, You know, down, we're going to go down here." And some people are like, "I don't know, I got to go." And then I realized, no, I'm I'm going to keep going with the sandbox game.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm going to let them go where they want. Uh huh. And kind of force myself to do it. And I, and I think. <laughs> going more sandbox works well especially when you're running a published adventure and one and one that works well with that right if you have a setting and you have a location and you have all those that kind of stuff figured out then you don't have to worry about having everything prepped because you never know where they're going to go mm-hmm. somebody else has done that for you right now if i had to prep encounters on the fly i think that would drive me crazy right, right. You know? and and, right. and don't get me wrong i had a i took a hiatus from dming for a while Um, earlier this year or last year, and um, RDM did that to great effect, like 90% of the sessions because he started off prepping as much as I used to or do. Mm -hmm. He he was prepping like I do, and then he started not having enough time to prep, and so he just sort of come and make it up as he went, and he did a fantastic job at it.
0: Yeah, this is – I forget who – somebody – one of my players, I think, sent me an article that I had linked, uh, which was chris perkins's article about his bad day um mm-hmm. Did you guys read this? It was one of his one of his um articles oh, on thanks c d and and he said like you know he had this day where he was he was just off on the day anyway, like it was a bad day period, and then he sat down and then like he wasn't he wasn't prepared, and things were just bad, and he was frustrated and and you know he didn't have any voices and he realized like instead of talking to players using the voices of the npcs he was just like well then he says to you what are you doing here like he just wasn't into it like we normally expect a guy like perkins to be mm-hmm. and then he said at the end of the night he asked his players how they liked it and they were like hey it was a great time i had an awesome time it was awesome you know And he's like what the hell like it was like the worst night i've ever run a d and everyone had a great time <laughs> and and i realized like that again you can kind of look at the energy you know you gotta like look at the energy input and energy output and realize that you're you're You know, you're on an exponential curve where, you know, adding 10% more energy is not going to give you a 10% gain. It's going to give you a 1% gain.
1: Well, and I think sometimes the things that DMs, I think, forget is that the players are there to have fun too, Mm -hmm. and they're going to make their own fun. You're just one element. And while you sometimes can set some of the tone, Mm-hmm. If the players are going to be determined to have a good time, even if you've had a bad day, everyone's still going to have a good time.
0: Yeah, right. You know, right.
1: so yeah. you know exactly. So I mean, know, I, th- I
0: found yeah, I wrote on Sly Flourish article about patience because I was doing a query for a couple of reasons. One is that um, you know it's it was a topic that I'd been thinking a lot about for myself, and the other one was I did a I did like a an unofficial Twitter survey and said what are the three qualifications you think matter the most for a, dun- a good dungeon master. And a lot of people came back with a lot of feedback, but there was one consistent thing that people came up with more than once, which was patience. Mm. You know, the, the, the idea that you, they need to relax and work with people and everything like that. And I realized that that was something that I was really bad at. Like I got, I got really high strung and you know, I love running D and D and I've been running it weekly for years now and it's a highlight of my week. And a, a lot of the rest of my recreation focuses on around that week or that day of the week. Mm-hmm. But boy, there's a lot of pressure on that day, <laughs> and that I that I I I don't I don't uh, release that pressure the right way. I, I get snippy with people. I'm short with them when they're taking too long. I'm you know if there's arguments, I I I you know I'm very quick to cut them off. And I realize like you know they just want to sit around drink beer and have fun. Like they don't really need another guy yelling at them. You know they just got that all day at work. So. Uh, so I've started to just say, let just kind of let the, you know, a, you know, cut the, cut the amount of stuff that happens in a day and accept that you might only get one battle and maybe two, uh, instead of three. Yeah. We, we run about a two and a half hour game, hmm. you know, that you, you, you know, you, probably two, if they're, if they're higher level characters, you know, maybe one or a little bit more and just relax and let things go, you know, like, and, and, and so that's something I'm trying. I'm not great at it yet, but- <laughs> But I was, but last night I was you know, a lot of times people kept looking at me for things and I was like, you know, it's up to you guys, you know, where do you want to where do you wanna head? What do you wanna do? And um and I
2: enjoyed it more. You
0: know, I had a lot more fun
2: with it. Good. So. Well you know what? Turns out that the DM is a pl- is playing the game too, and you they, need, well, to have, they right. need to have fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is my whenever every time I get I get some painting you know, when I bitch about a monster being too Uh, Easy, or that you know, epic tier is broken, and that you know, players are storming over guy. And I'm sure you'll talk about this during your game. Um, You know, players are storming over any challenge that you put in their way, Uh, and and people are like, "Well, are they having fun?" Because that's the thing that matters. I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm not having fun." You know, when I put Orcus out there, like I'm fine with a bunch of mooks getting destroyed, but when I put like an elemental prince out there, or I put Loth out there. And Loth gets killed in three rounds, and they're like, "Man, I didn't take any damage, you know. I didn't take any damage. She tried to hit me, but I teleported four times, and it was no problem. You know, that's not fun for me, right? Like, I want, I want something. I want to know that, you know, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to wipe out a party. I don't want everything to be a TPK. But I want you to know that you fought Loth, Mm -hmm. and I want to know that I want to feel like you fought Loth, and you know, so that, yeah, the, the idea that you know, the enjoyment for a DM is, is in my opinion. And this is maybe controversial. More important <laughs> than than the pleasure of any given player, because the DM, you know, from a financial perspective, usually has a lot more invested, and from an energy perspective, yeah, has true. a lot more invested. Yeah. So, from a business point, Watsi ought to be thinking about making sure that DMs are real happy, um, and they probably do. Um, but the uh, uh, but the, 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 certainly, as much enjoyment of the game should go to the DM as it goes to the players. And sometimes it's important to know what where that joy comes from. So for me, joy is relaxing and having fun along with my friends like everybody else.
2: Good. Uh, now, I did have, did have one question for you. Um, last time we chatted, you were trying to figure out in Gardmore how to work out backup PCs.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't actually do anything with that. But I think the strategy – and I, I, I forgot until I listened to the podcast today. I, I, I forgot the solution to that. But I think the solution is really good, which is that there are two – you know, there are three main NPCs, but only two of them are really going to be involved in the game. And both of those have good roles. Um, you know, both of them have clear roles that I think will help the party if, if somebody from the party can't make it. So I, I don't think it will necessarily help the party or help the players say, well, I really don't like this class that I picked. I wanted to play a different class. I'll probably just let them change their class, and we'll come up with some backstory. Um, but if they, um, uh, if, if somebody's not there, then I can have a spare defender and a spare leader handy. Okay. Uh, now my wife is playing a defender and a striker. So the nice, it's a, the, the new berserker class. So she's got, you know, she's got that entire thing
2: covered. Right on. All right. So I think we've maybe heard enough about Mike's campaign tonight so far.
1: <laughs> Illuminating.
2: Yeah. Excellent. We I mean, we didn't have a lot of advice for you this time around, but there was a lot of interesting insights that you gleaned from your campaign, okay. so that was what good advice. to have. I, no, I mean, I, I need moral support. Uh, yeah. I,
0: I just, I, the main thing I need is, is, like, the whole, you know, I've been running a lot of games, and the idea mm-hmm. that things like running a good sandbox game is that foreign to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's really putting... Down, I mean, it's always good. You want to be put out of your element. Uh, yeah. but, if, but, but it's out of my element. Will make you,
2: it, it will help make you a better DM, which is ultimately your goal, isn't it?
0: No, my goal is to keep, you know, to always, have fun running, you know, running the games. I mean, you know, being a great DM is fine, and, and you know, if if I can ever become one, and and giving, helping other DMs be great is, of course, why I do all this stuff. But all, all of that kind of steers around to making sure that my game, my game is good, and that all the players are having fun, and I'm having fun.
2: All right. Well, we're gonna stop Mike there, and hope that he can get a better Skype connection. <laughs> For entire generations of people now, gaming is as much a part of the fabric of their reality as television, films, books, music, and any other form of entertainment medium. Continue is a magazine for the gaming community, the global gaming community. Not just video and computer games, but board games, card games, role-playing games, alternate reality games, and anything that falls into the category of humans engaging to have fun. A celebration of gaming. Everything we love about this mad entertainment sector. Continue Magazine at www.continuemag.com Okay, now uh, it is time to talk to Randall. Okay. How's the world of Myst?
1: Well, this would be great if we had played last month. So, sad face.
2: Oh, you haven't played at all in the whole month? Not in the whole month. That's and, sad. um,
1: yeah, it is sad. But when you have a lot of your players that are like 30 and over and have lives and families, it has to do that sometimes. We're actually thinking about, um, or I'm seriously reevaluating our schedule and whether or not we'll still be doing Saturdays and maybe we'll start doing a Friday night game instead because I think people can make those better. Sure. Um, so we're going to try that, but um, I was actually kind of relieved because I was at a point where I, there's two uh there's two ages left to visit Channelwood and uh Stoneship and I like looked at my wife the other day and I said, "Hun, I would never tell you to do this, but because I have something really big planned for Channelwood, everyone suggest to everyone that you go to Stoneship next <laughs> hmm. oh really, so <laughs> yeah having them railroad, you're right." <laughs> And I hardly have ever done that. I I don't like doing that actually. But it's like, yeah, it's gonna look really cool though. You know, because this this whole set piece that I have for Channelwood, is gonna be like three levels and like uh, bamboo bridges and like all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, and so that's a lot of intensive work. I'm loving building it because it's teaching me a lot of stuff. But it's um it's gonna be a big piece, and there are a lot of little components that go with it so. Me-
2: meanwhile mike is complaining about the time it takes to set up dungeon tiles
1: exactly so. <laughs> yeah. well i was staying quiet because i knew that my turn would come up and it, yeah. <laughs> and i'm kind of the exact opposite because i actually get a lot of fun out of building the stuff um and plus it you can like sort of skim over your poor dming by showing your players oh look at this cool thing and they're like going oh wow
0: you know well, can I, yeah <laughs> just a quick caveat to my statement i love putting together dwarven forge setups yeah, love it. And the, my problem with dungeon Tales is it's just it, to me it's very inefficient to have to flip the things over and sort through a big bag of them. And you know, when dwarven forge is so much faster, right? Like, you just have to have it on hand.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I you mean, still that's...
0: have to railroad people in order to build those sets,
1: right? And uh, I don't know. I doing using a lot of train stuff myself. I'm I'm looking at m- models and ways to um, to utilize those. So that they can be swapped out quickly, either modular designs or things like that that will take up a shelf or whatever. And like, for example, if I need a town, I can just like whip out like four pieces and stick them together, right? And so you got a sudden town. Um, and but always have those, and it's like the same town, but you could like configure it differently so that the things are aligned differently, and or maybe you swap out the maybe set up a, such a way that you could swap out the sign on the tavern, so it's the name of the tavern is different, you know, or something like that. Um, so i'm thinking along those kinds of lines to make those kinds of terrain setups um still look great but be quick and modular so that you're not mm-hmm. spending 20 minutes setting up the stupid thing do, I, do you,
0: where is uh, your gaming room
1: i have well it's split now i have two big tables that are in the basement and uh, cuz i have a pretty big i have a pretty big gaming table and then um but for some of these ages that we've been visiting because mist was one static setup i was we were going upstairs to the dining room table. So I was like playing in two different areas, which drives my wife crazy because I'm like taking up huge
0: horizontal surfaces. But it, but it gives you that that's one way to deal with that solution of letting people kind of go where they want.
1: It is. And I think though, that in a, um, uh, a sandbox, you know, I think I'll always have like a town set up. And then, you know, I think one of the keys, particularly if you're running your own sandbox that you're creating is if you've got tiles, plan your dungeons around the tiles you have mm-hmm. and if you can build them that way then you've always got them set up because i've got like four sets of the straight tiles or regular tiles and then i've got two sets of the dark sun 3d tiles and the the uh whatever the other 3d set was i can't uh, hark harken something wasn't it i can't remember harken hole. Hark, was that what it was? Yeah, I think so. It was the other 3D set they did other than the Dark Sun set.
0: Oh, um, Harrowed Halls. Harrowed
1: Halls, that's what it was. And I got two of those. I actually love the 3D sets that they did. I, think- I wish they would have done more of those. Yeah. But um, but anyway, yeah, I think that there are – you have to really be – you have to be on it with the tiles because if you're – like you, I've been stuck there. And, and my own wife looked at me the other night or a few months back when I was having an issue, and she goes like – Wow, really? <laughs> how long is this going to take? And oh, like, yeah. oh, oh, when
0: you were setting uh, up, or yeah, when, when you were... I was setting up. So, yeah. See, my
2: my yeah. players get impatient when I draw the maps. <laughs> so,
0: how long does yeah. it take you to draw a map? Or maybe we'll wait till your turn.
2: Yeah, I mean, it didn't take too long. It depends on the map, right? Um, but if I'm just making something, you know, if I'm doing something on the fly and I'm drawing a quick map, then I, I don't take the time to put in a lot of detail. I just make a map, and sometimes I'll even throw the marker to the players and say, "Here, you guys draw." You know, you're you're on a dock. Draw something, <laughs> and, and and you know what? They'll fill in the detail. Oh, there's some crates over there, and there's a cart over there, and you know. my Maybe mine it.
0: would put in like crossbows that they can use. Yeah,
1: <laughs> That's what, oh, and here's a tank. There's Look a lava that. pool that the
0: monsters start in.
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah. So unfortunately, I didn't get to play. But um, like I said, the setup for Shadowwood is going to be pretty impressive. It's going to be like three levels, and so it'll be. It'll be pretty cool, um,
0: but Where, uh, where's the best place to find pictures of your of your setups?
1: Um, usually, I post using Yfrog, so you can go through there and see some stuff. Um,
2: you need to set up a gallery somewhere, dude. I yeah. should.
1: Um, Don't
2: you have a website you're using? You yeah, know? I
1: miss it every once. Well, I used to, but I'm slowly tearing it down. Yeah.
2: And, and now you've got another website.
1: Well, this is my game. You, so you should set
2: up a gallery there.
1: I probably should.
2: Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I demand you set up a gallery there. <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Hello. Wait. Yeah. Right now, no. Most of my you can find most of my stuff on, if not all of it, actually, on Yfrog. The ones that I do have, among uh, you, but you got to filter out through all the other crap that's on there too. So, you know, every time I see something weird with the cell phone and take a picture, it's
0: how do it's I clear. get to your Yfrog account?
1: You'd have through my Twitter.
0: All right. It's I'll gonna figure, be. Dead. I'll figure it's that gonna, out.
1: Yeah, but um, I haven't taken pictures of the channel wood stuff yet because I'm still building it. I mean, but it is cool to be able to tell my, to tell the families like, well, I'm bringing home 25 canisters of Pringles. Um, when you eat the Pringles, save the cans because I need <laughs> the cans for <from> trees. <laughs> so, so by the way, Pringles cans make great big elven trees, <laughs> and because they're hollow, and because they're Thin, fairly thin walled, but stout. You can do stuff with them. I mean, if you you can stick things in them, you can mount things on top, which is what I'm doing because these the second layer of this area in Channelwood is all these like straw huts. And while I'm not building the huts up vertically, I'm just using platforms to represent the huts. They are you know on top of all these Pringles, and then between the huts are these bamboo bridges, which I've used by cutting up um, these bamboo placemats that I found for like a buck a piece at Michaels. So uh, I liked your uh, pie
0: apple pie. Pie apple pie. Oh no, you retweeted someone else. Somebody made an apple pie that has nothing but the numbers of pie in it.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I can't remember who that was. Yeah, I retweeted. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> but um but anyway, yeah, there's I'm getting I love going to Michaels. It'll be it's like you can find something new to do with train every single day. So but next month when we play, and I think we're playing on the, like, 21st, I think, which is a Saturday this month, then they'll be either going to um, – I hope to be done with Channelwood completely, in which case they, they're they free to go there or they can go to Stone Ship, which is just going to be a flat map that I've already printed out. So um, I'm looking forward to um, – the open play test, so that I can start moving some of the characters and some of the concepts over to whatever D and D next is going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I tell it. you, for me, I'm just I'm just looking forward to battles not taking an hour and a half.
2: Yeah, see me too. Um, <laughs> I mean, my hour wife, and a half. I'm an epic deer. Well, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. I mean, my wife even said that you know I would be willing if if it, if D and D next really does cut down the play time. I mean, where you can get, like, you know, seven or eight encounters in, you know, or whatever it is in a session, in, like, a two-hour session. She goes, that would open it up for me to play a second game. Mm-hmm. And I'd oh. be like – and I'm, like, going, wow. If
2: if, if you want to have – I mean, if, if your big qualification is a faster-running game, you can do that. Those games exist. Oh, shoot. I know that. Go, yeah. go, in fact, go, shoot, go play second edition. <laughs> yeah, right. <first. laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So
1: – but anyway – Um, I really don't have that's about all that's going on since I didn't play. I don't have any feedback on what how the actual game session went. So, other than just right now struggling
0: with people, you know, being able to make the stupid game, (laughs) so So here's a a difficult question
1: sure.
0: Um, if you had to break up like the percentage of the time that you spend, yeah, about how much time do you typically spend preparing for a game? Could you can you even quantify it? Not including like shower, shower thinking time, um. Are you talking about the um, like story prepping the of whole the game
1: thing, or the or the physical parts of the game?
0: All of it. So like like the you know the story and encounter you know and it, you know encounter setup. Not not the physical encounter setup, but like you know planning the encounter. Um, it's hard um, for me to break it out because I don't. Um,
1: are you always just kind of throwing
0: it, things together? Like, I, I am,
1: and I often get the story part of the game out of the way first. Mm-hmm. where I've built all the encounters ahead of time. And so, you know, I might spend a week, you know, solid, you know, two or three hours a day, you know, like at night when I come home or whatever, mm-hmm. um, working on that kind of thing and, or um, – and then get that out of the way first. And then I spend more time between sessions building or working on terrain things. Yeah, yeah. So And, and that, the terrain
0: things, and yeah, that's something you really, really like doing. Well, I love doing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I mean, I think for me, um, if I didn't do it every week, I think it would be different too. Like if it, if it was a monthly game, mm-hmm. I'd probably really enjoy spending a good amount of time mm-hmm. setting it up and tearing it down. But like, you know, there are some days where it's like, oh, God, you know, I just built this whole thing. And then we run for mm-hmm. three hours and I've got to tear it down on Thursday because I'm busy Friday and weekend we're doing stuff. And I got another game coming up on Wednesday and I got to build it up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Well, I, and I actually felt bad because I had to finally take part of the I took the areas off the Mist Island that they'd already visited and they weren't really relevant anymore. So mm-hmm. I took them off and kind of cut away the map some and took away some of the elements so that I could save some room so that I could, we could just stay downstairs if need be. And so that's um, uh, one of the sacrifices I had to make. But I knew it was going to go away eventually. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah,
2: I can't imagine doing th- that kind of prep work for a weekly game. Right. Um, you know, with, yeah. with the, I run every other week. And so that's just about, you know, that's about right. Right, I can put a little bit of time into these things without yeah. necessarily yeah. blowing my brains out.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. My, my, my game is canceled next week. And while I'm always worried that the momentum of my game is going to slow down and then people are going to go off. Um, but having a week off is really nice. Mm hmm. Not that you don't love your game. No, I love the game. And yeah. you know, I'm actually running one in between. So <laughs> I'm still, be, still be doing it for am I'm gonna be digging out um White Plume Mountain. Oh, I love that module. Yeah. That module is. I have a group coming on a weekend that's never played, none of them have ever played it. And uh I've never run it, so i I have I I I bought one on Amazon, old I'll say copy.
2: I've never played it before either. Yeah. Good
0: old Craptus Craptus. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, then, are we done with you, Randall?
1: We are done with me.
2: I've had, I think, two sessions, as I should, um, since our last chat. And last time we talked about me trying to figure out how to take this false god, or he was a god, but he's pretending to be another god, and how to make him more interesting. And I went with the route that you guys suggested of um, making it a skill. So I I think I gave the, the players the option of... You know, you could channel your own power th- uh, to charge his divinity or whatever, and mm-hmm. I, I made it a move action, uh, and I and I had a list of different um, skills you could use, and then a, a bunch of effects that it would have. That's cool. Uh, and so, and that worked really well for that for that session. They used that a lot. Now the next session, he was still around, and they didn't use it as much. But I think that's because they had other things going on and plans for him anyway. So. Um, so that that worked pretty well through the um, the end of the dungeon body um, session that that first session mm-hmm. since the last time we met was was finishing up that. There were two more rooms they went went they came out through the intestines, they worked their way up through the lungs
1: <laughs> you love <clears> it,
2: <throat> and then they made their way up to the chest cavity where they found a hole into the heart chamber um, <clears throat> and then in the heart chamber, they actually fought a primordial
0: ah. Uh, what? W- so
2: what level are they now? They are well, at that time they were twenty third. Okay. Okay. Um, and so they fought the primordial Balcoth, uh, okay. who's from a a Dungeon magazine, I believe, and he's the he's the groaning king. He's the guy who had his head removed.
1: Mm. <laughs> On purpose
2: well no that that was sort oh. of his punishment, I guess is they they removed his head and put it in a cage that he couldn't get to, but I changed a lot of that right. I just pulled out the the stats and used it, and basically said, you know his, his big thing was he needed to destroy this God um that that we were inside the body of it because he was cursed, he couldn't leave the battlefield until this God was destroyed, right but it was the the creator God of trolls, and so it just the body kept regenerating, even though the god was dead,
1: oh, I see okay,
2: right. Um, and so he, I, my story was he, he sort of decided to, uh, divide his time, so to speak, right? He, he removed his own head from his body so that his body could be tearing up the body in one place and his head could be destroying it in another place. And they could sort of get twice as much work done that way. Uh, so in my story, yes, he removed it on purpose. And so, uh, throughout the whole dungeon, I had a, basically a random chance. Every round that they were in the dungeon, I had a player roll a D 12, on an 11, the body showed up. On a 12, the head showed up. Hmm. Oh, and so okay. it was just random throughout the entire dungeon until both things had shown up. And so eventually uh, – they actually, it worked out really well. They ran into the body in the first session and they ran into the head in the second session. Mm-hmm. Now, the first encounter of the second session through the intestines and the lungs and all that actually ended up being the challenging um, encounter. Right? It was, it was a bunch of, of minions hiding in the intestines – and an endless supply of minions coming out of the lungs. They were smoke hounds coming out of the lungs. I thought. That oh, was, nice, yeah, see, see. nice. Okay. Um, and then at the end, in the chamber at the end, uh, there was a earth drake. And so they had this this dragon thing going on at the same time. So uh, a, an endless horde of, of minions and an earth drake. And then this head shows up, which is also, uh, I, th- I want to say, an, an elite creature as well. It's a
0: solo. No. Is, is it a solo? Yeah. Okay. I'm so, just looking at, I'm looking at the article in Dungeon. Yeah, there you go.
1: So does it, like, float around? Does it, like...
2: It did not mine, yeah.
0: Yeah, it flies and teleports. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: And so that that actually ended up being the... The really challenging encounter for them because they were working their way through the maze of the intestines and then suddenly they got out and there's an, this endless horde of smokehounds that have hunted them down. And so they have to fight their way through and constantly move while they're fighting because if they don't move after you kill something, then you know, you're stuck. You never make any progress
1: ah.
2: because there were just so many of them coming out all the time. There were, I think, six new minions appearing every single round. Oh, wow. And then you finally get through all of that and there's a dragon. And it's all sort of in the same encounter without a chance for a short rest or whatever. So I really had him on the ropes for that one, and and they pulled it off you know, as epic tier characters do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I had him on the ropes. And I had a couple of people down a few points. Um, it was that, that was a really good challenge. And then they got to the the heart chamber where you know now there's Balkoth reformed in his in his whole form, the super ultra powerful primordial that's the you know the the body and the head combined with with twice as much power and all that kind of stuff. And and. I don't know. I felt like they sort of shut him down and, and took him out pretty quick. So, I mean, the the one he wasn't so much a huge threat to them. I mean, he did some cool things to him and, and what have you. Um, but his his big uh, impressiveness there was just that his defenses were so high; it was hard to hit. Hmm. You know, 'cause because he, he's significantly higher level than they, than they are. Yeah. He's. So.
0: Uh, did you play him in stock? Yeah. 'Cause Because he's thirty three. I played him stock. Yeah, he's pretty high for – what level did you say they were? 23. Holy cow. So he's 10 levels higher than they are.
2: I, well, somebody wow. somebody told me once um, that in your, when you get to the epic tier, it's no holds barred. That's true. So that's a,
0: the, I, I think the only part is that their defenses get really high.
2: They. But you know what? And they still managed they, to they break st- through. They still took him apart.
0: Wow. That's pretty good. He's nice. a tough – I'm just – I'm reading the stat block here. Mm-hmm. And, um, it. The, you know, uh, Peter Schaefer wrote this. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Lord of Chaos article, I know I know other people are writing Lords of Chaos articles that are really good. Um, <laughs> and he uh, one, he does a couple things here that are really smart. Um, did, and I'm I'm curious to hear how they went. That both in his head, his head and as a full form, he duplicates himself into three,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then all three of those act on different initiative counts and count as separate creatures, even though they share the same hit point pool. But and they yeah, get full nice. they get yeah. full sets of actions. Um, I wrote, I hate to pimp my own stuff. Um, I wrote an article (laughs) about how you can, yeah, right. I I wrote an article about one of the ways of dealing with bosses that are too easily killed is to give them powers or find a good way in the story to Mm -hmm. make them split into multiples. I had a hag that could turn herself into three or shadow, you know, if you could have a guy that turns himself himself into shadow Mm versions. And, uh, you know, World of Warcraft and stuff does this too. Oh, yeah. You know that way you have these three things, and you can't pin them all down. You can't you can't wrap them all up. You can't you know stun them all. Generally speaking, although you know controllers sure can seem to do a lot to a lot of different guys. Um, but you also fix or, or begin to fix the economy, the action economy, so that you know Balcoth on his own, even with action points, he might get five, maybe get squeeze five actions a turn or five actions around. But if he splits himself into three. Now he's getting like you know hmm. twelve. You know, it's not because it's not exact increase, not full increase, but you know that's a lot that mm-hmm. a solo can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so how did that how did that work out?
2: Uh, it worked out actually, and and I used that to great effect in the first encounter of that night when they were and and they because the head actually appeared while they were in the intestines um, going through that maze, and that worked out pretty well because just when you know the archer or the wizard thought that they got themselves out of range. He would create a duplicate of himself right next to him because he could. He could do the duplicate didn't have to be next to him; it, it could be within a certain distance. Right. And so suddenly the duplicates next to them is like, oh crap! I thought I just got away from this guy, you know, and now they're having to deal with it again <laughs> uh, because you know they were also thinking, you know, we're in this maze, right? So I can just sort of go around the corner; and he can't see me. Oh, now there's a duplicate now he can see me, uh, and that worked pretty well. Although most of the time they would he would create a duplicate and they would yeah. kill it within one round. The, yeah, the, the duplicates right, went down it's, really. It's fast. kind of a
0: minion, right?
2: Right, and so the duplicates went down really fast. As soon as its hit, it dies, whatever.
0: Yeah, um, but the, the head is a minion. Is uh... yeah, it's the same way when he's a normal guy. Yeah.
2: Well, and I it got to the point where um, with the normal guy towards the end, I can't remember if I even used the duplicates or not. Hmm. I want to say I did, I didn't, and it was mostly a function of it was getting to a point in the night where I didn't want to sort of encourage that that level of grind and, and just wanted to. You know, see if you can take this guy head to head and move on that way. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't think I used it um, to great effect in the in the last encounter, which maybe is why it went down. Well, I mean, if he, he's, 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 he's ten levels
0: higher. I'm getting, I'm guessing he was enough of a challenge,
2: right? And that was the idea. I mean, he, and he had a lot of other cool things he was doing with the the crazy teleporting other you know the characters and yeah.
0: Then they start within five squares. He can teleport them and do damage to them. right? Or they end their turn.
2: Well, yeah. and and. and... The solution was most of them just stayed away. Yeah. I have enough range guys that they could just sort of keep away from him.
0: I'm not crazy about, not to get all about the mechanics, but I tend to pay a lot of attention <laughs> to it. Um, I'm not crazy about the saving throw thing. He, he, they, get the, they get the equivalent of, uh, I mean, it's actually not bad idea, It's equivalent of superior will that whenever he starts, a, whenever he gets an effect that a save can end, he makes an immediate saving throw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then can make it at the end. The problem is it still makes it a random thing and you could still, you know... Yeah. Either PCs can muck around with their ability to do saves or they um, he still fails to save and he's just as pinned down as he would be.
2: Well, but it's it, it's, that. its random, but it's not too random because he's getting... Yeah, because he, he gets it a lot. He's getting two rolls a turn and he's a solo, so he's getting a plus five to those saves. Yeah, So yeah. I saw
0: the... Um, there's a new epic tier. Uh, did you see the article about Flame the Dragon? No. Um I have to find it. Uh there's a new version. I guess this is a common I didn't even know about it, but there's a common red dragon from D D lore called Flame. And um they made a uh demi lich demi lich dragon out of him, a level twenty three, and they gave him all kinds of cool effects for dealing with status effects and whatnot. So
2: it's just a dragon skull?
0: I guess. I don't remember. Or do you, I just or looked at the stat or, block.
2: Or, or do you mean, <laughs> or, or do you mean dracolich?
0: It's not a dracolich. It's a it's a demi lich.
2: So it's just a skull, then.
0: It's a, I guess it's just a, a dragon yeah. skull. Okay. Yeah. But it but it has a lot of the features that it has as a dragon, and a lot of the features as a as a lich as a demi lich. So it's still draining souls and mm-hmm. you know doing all wow. kinds of stuff. But one of the things I liked about it is any it you know you know the new monster vault dragons at any time they begin dazed under dominated. Uh, and they have an extra to turn, right? They get an extra turn and an initiative plus ten, and they can do something during that turn. They can, like, white dragons can do a charge attack, or red dragons can claw or something, bite. I don't know. But they get this freebie attack, and if they can't do that freebie attack, the effect, you know, if they, because of the stun under dominate, they, that effect is removed instead, so that it just kind of loses that extra attack instead of pinning down their hole, you know, mm-hmm. pinning them down completely. Mm-hmm. Um, the Draco the demi lich version says that any effect that prevents that is removed, which is pretty powerful because there's a lot of like crazy ass unconscious slash removed from play kind of stuff. And this you know, this removes all of that. So it's a pretty if you want to see like a new kind of new
2: mm-hmm.
0: new techniques for dealing with stuff, that was one of the ones I was more impressed with. Right on. And and the level of the creature is right around the level that you guys are playing.
2: And and it worked out actually – it worked fine anyway because this whole dungeon was relatively um, challenging because I didn't let him have an extended rest throughout the entire dungeon. Right. Um, oh, which, wow. which means they fought three solo creatures and a handful of elites and, you know, did all that without having a chance to recharge their their dailies and that kind of stuff. So by the time they got to the end, they couldn't really stun lock Balkoth because c- nice. c- they'd use all those powers, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. they already fought him as solos twice and they're like, oh, this is the big guy. We should focus everything on him. Well, guess what? You still got three more <laughs> encounters left, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, right. That worked out pretty well for me.
1: Do you always still have that one player that's no matter what has happened? has saved his dailies. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I still have my dailies.
2: <laughs> no, that's fine.
0: Yeah, that works.
2: Because he paid for that by not using them earlier, so... Oh, there you go. Uh, so anyway, after that, they were then able to complete the ritual using the body of the not-dead, not not-alive, not not-undead, you know, uh, god that allowed them to find a loophole through uh, Ao's barrier to go back to... Toril. Uh, and so they did that, sort of surfing the body of the god back to Toril, and they found themselves not back in Toril, but instead in Sinishur, which was part of my, my master plan all along. Mm-hmm. And Sinishur is is the literal forum of the gods, right? It is where the gods meet and, and hold audience with Ao, the over-god, who's sort of in charge of maintaining balance amongst the gods. Uh, so did the god body crash? No, I, I didn't deal with the body. So they just... Okay. They they use the the divinity of the god to to complete the ritual and get themselves. Okay. So um, they more or less
1: just teleported or
2: whatever. Yeah, basically. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. See how that maybe you, they surfed the body.
2: Well, that's sort of how they talked the, about it. Because
1: that would have been cool. Right. <laughs> and then have that body crash into the planet or whatever. That sure. would be awesome.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so they end up back. They end up in Sinisher, and they brought the the this god with them, Kotal. Well, they thought it was Kotal. Um, it was actually Mershalk, who is the evil aspect of the world serpent, um, as opposed to Katal, who is the god of Coattles from Mazteca. Right. And so they, they brought him with him because that was the sort of the deal is that he would show them a way out. But he, they had to bring him with him because, he, as he claimed, I, you know, I'm the god of Coattles of from Mazteca. All the people of Mazteca are dead. I'm dead to the point of almost weak here. I'd like to go back to Toril and, and rebuild. Uh, and so they were going to bring him with and, and they did all that kind of stuff and they got him there. And he said, OK, before we can go... Uh, I can't go back to Toril until we put me back in the Tablets of Fate. There's this uh, history in the Forgotten Realms of Tablets of Fate that goes back to the Avatar trilogy. That you know Ao writes things in the Tablets of Fate, and and they are so. And so no god can be a god in the Forgotten Realms unless Ao has written them into the Tablets of Fate. Ah, and and so you know. Ao station is up there. We need to get up there. We need to get past the guardians. Uh, the guardians are there to keep the gods out. So hopefully you guys can get get past and put my name on there, and then you know then I'll be a god again, and I can take you back. You know I can get you out of Sinisher and take you back to the world or whatever. <laughs> cool. uh, and one of you last time had suggested that I use the Godforge Colossus. Yeah, uh, and. And I actually tweeted about finding uh, the creature you use. And Randall, I think you tweeted me a bunch of suggestions, and then I ended up going back to the Godforged Colossus anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh,
2: but but you know what? The Godforged Colossus worked really well.
0: Yeah, it needed updated damage, right? Because it's an old one.
2: Um, I think what I saw on the compendium is that it had seen some updates.
0: Hmm.
2: Uh, in any case, I didn't need it to last. Um,
0: it was more about how much damage it puts
2: out. Well, it was it was about... Because after three rounds, Ao was going to show up anyway. They were just delaying. Mm-hmm. You know that was their job is to is to hold anybody off long enough for Ao to show up, right? And they do a bunch of uh, pushes and and dazes and stuns and that kind of stuff, which you know makes it work really well for guardians who are just trying to hold you back for a few rounds. Yeah. You know, every time you run up to the to the the tablets, they just push you back another five squares or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah the damage on this guy is actually <laughs> pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah. it went, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. And it wasn't about the threat, right? It was never going to be that these guys are going to kill you or they're not or whatever. I
0: know. We just you know you don't want them doing twenty two points of damage, It's sure. just embarrassing. <laughs>
2: all right. All right. This no, guy's I,
0: average damage looks about right. No,
2: it, it did okay. And so um, they did that, and then and actually they worked out a plan where they weren't even going to approach the tablets. They were going to keep the guard, the guards busy. The the God is busy. Um, colossuses, Colossi. 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 Oh, okay. How
1: many did you? How many did you use?
2: I, I only used two, but I okay. I gave myself an an out that if I needed to, I could have more show up. Okay. Cause when they approached the tablets these, these colossi came out of the nearby pillars. They sort of ah, okay. w- walked out of the pillars. So I could have always said, well, more of them come out of the pillars, you know? Yeah. Okay. But I didn't need to, um, th- their, their plan was, we're going to keep this, these guys busy. We're going to make the snake God guy invisible. And then he's going to rush up and, and make the changes to the tablets that he needs to make. Mm-hmm. And then we get out of here. But he had gotten stunned enough times uh, that he wasn't going to finish before AO showed up anyway. And so um, at, at the most dramatic moment, it wasn't exactly three rounds. It was maybe three and a half, four rounds, whatever. I tried to pick a, a dramatic moment once we got to that point And I realized, OK, I can, I've, I can justify bringing him out now whenever I want. I waited for a dramatic moment and then brought him out and put it into the combat. And, and the rest of the night ended up just being role-playing. Uh, nice. Of dealing with, with Ao and making the appeal to him. Um, I only let certain characters speak to Ao because Ao is the arbiter of the gods. And, hmm. um, you know, the people that, that these are just mortals and they, you know, if they want to speak to, if they want to appeal to AO, then they need to do that through their god. Um, but I, there were a few of them that I let talk because they are either agents of gods or one of them who I plan on becoming a god at, uh, at the very end of the campaign. So it was my sort of way of, of saying, well, you know, time doesn't quite mean the same thing to gods as, as it does to you. Maybe he is willing to listen to you because there's a chance you're going to become a god.
1: So how did you manifest Ao?
2: aO uh, appeared in the most impressive way possible to each of the individual characters
1: oh, I see so, you went in, okay
2: so his his appearance was different to everybody
1: Aha. Hmm. interesting
2: and so they they appealed to AO and said, oh well we need, we want to bring this guy back, um we want him to be added into the the tablets of fate um, and AO sort of looks at the guy because AO of course isn 't fooled, he knows who this guy is and the and the the players at this point still think he 's the good god of Quadles, Katah. Even though he's done, you know, poison damage, and he never quite heals without doing necrotic damage to people as well. You know, I, I felt <laughs> like I laid to the groundwork, you know, pretty strongly right? that this guy is not what you think he is, or what he claims to be. But they didn't catch on any of it, <laughs> uh, and so they're like, and they made an interesting appeal because completely, sort of, just talking out of their rears, and I don't think they were necessarily thinking about what they said. They made it an appeal for balance. Which is something that Ao is all about, and so when they made an appeal for balance, Ao said, "Okay, fine, he can come back," and then the actual appeared as, uh, Kotal appeared as appeared as well, mm-hmm. and both of them were sent back to Toril.
1: Hmm. Uh, okay, because
2: then you you achieve that balance. Um, of course, ignoring the fact that real Kotal was just taken away from his real followers, who were still alive in Abir, you know, and now they're without a god. <laughs> Uh, and now you've you've let this evil guy, Mershalk into the world. And the first thing he does is he he appears with the party um, over the ruins of a city which uh, were holding the um, the ancient creator race of the Saruk. And he completely levels the city because these are the people that were supposed to be worshipping him and, and bringing him back. And, and they completely failed and left him and started worshipping other gods. So he wiped out the city, hmm. which actually tied into a prophecy that had been set up um, – before, um, one of my characters is, is, has the epic destiny called Punisher of the Gods,
0: mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm.
2: and one of the th- one, of, which means he, his job is to go out and punish people for the gods, ah. you know, and not one god but the gods collectively. And so what what I did was I had when he got that epic destiny, I had his body covered in, t- in tattoos of people's names. Suddenly, just these names appeared all over your body. And
0: You have to go hunt them down,
2: and all of them were crossed off except there were ten on his forearm that were not crossed off. Oh, and those, nice. those That's 10, cool. those 10 are sort of, these, these are who you're going to kill from now to level 30. Cool. And, and the last one on the list is one of his, one of the other PCs,
0: Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> Uh-oh. but one of them was the name of this city, which now they were responsible for bringing this guy back. And now the city's destroyed. Hmm. And so that, that one is crossed off the list. Wow. That brings us
0: into, do, do you even know, uh, the situation with him having to do with one of the other PCs? Or are you letting that play itself out?
2: Oh, um, I have some ideas on where that's going to go because the, the PC whose name is on that list is um, the one who I anticipate becoming a god. Hmm. And so
1: oh, – So maybe through their death, then they achieve godhood? Right. Uh-huh. Or you,
2: you, you, know, you have to let the mortal body die in order to become divine, that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good potential
0: down. area for drama there.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and,
1: and me down and I'll become more powerful. Well, than
2: you can and possibly they're they're both a- yeah. they're both already freaking out about it. You know.
0: Yeah, are they? Hell because he's yeah. just like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do it right now.
2: <laughs> well, no, I'm because, right because he him. he does think they have to go in order, and and oh, they ha- really? and, and they have so far they've gone in order. Huh. Um, but the next one on the list is the sisters, which they <laughs> don't understand. Um, but I've, I've anticipated actually meaning the – a collection of the Seven Sisters.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Who, if you're familiar with, with Realms lore, are uh, a bunch of the, the Chosen of Mistra. Of course, Mistra's dead. Um, some of the Seven Sisters are accounted for. I think two of them are accounted for in the fourth edition version of the Realms, but the other five were not. But one of the things they did mention in the Forgotten Realms campaign guide was, well, there's this old Cormiran ship that ten years ago was sunk off the coast of Aglarond, and in it were these five boxes or five casks or whatever um, that you know had strange blue fire things going on. So it's like, well, we're missing five of the seven sisters. Guess where they're at, you know. Uh. So that and that's actually where they're headed next. Is they they finally got back to their airship and they're back in their world and they think feel like things are going well and they're like, okay, well, where do we go now? Well, you know, let's go back to these old prophecies that you got, you know, way back at the end of heroic tier. I think they got a bunch of prophecies from Syric, and one of them leads to trying to find these sisters. Anyway, so the next encounter in the next session in a week and a half theoretically is them going to a ship underwater. Uh, off the coast of Aglaron and doing something that's going to result in killing the the five sisters who are, in my head, are sort of in stasis in these stone boxes.
1: Underwater adventure time.
2: Which is something I've never done very well before. So if you have any suggestions on doing underwater adventures, that'd be awesome.
1: Hmm. I'm Uh, trying to think. I actually have not played an extensive underwater adventure.
2: Well, and part of the trick with underwater adventures is... They're an interesting setting and challenge for, you know, maybe heroic low paragon tier characters. I almost feel like when you get, you know, at this point they're twenty fifth level, you know, because we're leveling super fast right now. Right. Um, And and so I sort of feel like at this point, shouldn't they just part the sea? Yeah. There's the boats. I would do a lot of the underwater
0: stuff in flavor and less in mechanic because it could be a real pain in the ass.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I hate I hate underwater stuff in just about every game.
2: But but what you've heard now is everything I have planned. So at some point in the next week and a half, I got to figure out what they're doing in this boat, where the challenge is coming for a twenty fifth level character, hmm. uh, and and I and I have some ideas of what's going to happen once they finally get to the the five sisters, and that they're basically going to ab- absorb what's left of their, their weave magic into them. Cause that's something they've sort of been doing anyways, collecting weave magic that was left over. Mm. Krakens, and now,
1: Krakens are good. Krakens. Krakens. Well, however you want to pronounce it, but yeah, always good. Four or five of them even. <laughs> hmm. Maybe guardians for the sisters.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that we could do that, that might be helpful to you is um, this is off the coast of Aglarond. Aglarond at this point in, in our world is almost completely covered and subsumed by uh, a massive spell plague storm that Thay created, that Zaztam created. He's mm. the, he's the big bad arch villain of the whole campaign, right? Uh, and so Aglarond has been completely subsumed by it now. Everybody there has either fled or died or been you know turned into horrible creatures from the spell plague. Uh, and this this boat is going to be fairly close to the edge of that part of what's what's happened as a result of all this stuff going on and the possible ch- changing of the way magic works and all that is that the gods um and their exarchs are are on the world itself you know they are walking the world either taking advantage or trying to fix the situation um so that's given me some excuses in the epic tier you know the the worlds you know, there's a threat now, the world's going to be subsumed by this stuff, and the gods are there, so I can actually have you fight true epic tier things. So if there's a good excuse for you know a god or an exarch or somebody to be involved here, we could easily throw them in as a challenge as well.
0: Hmm. When are we gonna face off against Zastam? Is that in the um, cards?
2: That's the that's the last encounter of the entire campaign. Mm. Did they cool. already
0: do away with Elminster?
2: By they do you mean the party or
1: or, or have your your campaign? I don't care who, but okay.
2: Um, they they have met Elminster. Yeah. Um. He's having trouble. Okay.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, would he not have a vested interest in trying to protect
2: the sisters? He he sure. Um. Yeah. But part of the trick is that Elminster is all has always been. Intended at least in in game terms has always intended to be on, on of the guy who sort of sets you on on a certain path okay and then gets out of the way you know um ed Green would ed green Greenwood would describe him as just sort of wandering through the middle of a dungeon saying a handful of lines that may or may not mean anything and then disappearing all of a sudden okay. you know? uh, and so he they have encountered him um he did actually play a, a plot what was part of a plot point in the upper paragon tier maybe mid paragon tier. Um, and then they've sort of gone away from that. They they actually despise <laughs> going to see Elminster because <laughs> because the, the guy the guy's nutty. Yeah. He, he's insane, and, and more so now than he was pre spell plague. I mean, he's been described as as having gone completely insane as a result of the spell plague. So,
1: okay, I was just curious.
2: Yeah, so they've they've talked to him. They've dealt with him. I think in my mind, Elminster at this point is. Is aware that, that those bodies, the, those sisters are essentially dead at this point and he would just as soon see them sort of live on through other people. And that might be something to do actually. Now that uh, now that yeah. I say that, that might be something to do is that when they absorb this magic, maybe they're also absorbing part of the souls of the sisters and now they start hearing vo- these voices of the sisters in their heads and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That could be fun to do. Because mm-hmm. right now the only sisters that are accounted for are the symbol mm-hmm. who is actually mm-hmm. with Elminster. Yeah. Uh, and Saluni, uh, the ghost, um, she she was dealt with in the the last third edition Forgotten Realms campaign, uh, the, the published thing, um, which led into the spell plague, actually.
1: Right.
2: But she was destroyed in that adventure series. And then actually we, in a little mini hiatus campaign that I was a player in, um, we did a shared world thing and somebody else ran it and and – she actually came back, so she's around again. But she's just hanging out with Elminster in Shatterdale. Yeah. Mm. So, so, we have two of them that are accounted for, and then the other five. So, hmm.
1: so very cool. So far, I'm hearing. Yeah. Cra-
2: uh, so far, though, I'm hearing Krakens. Anything else that should I should use to challenge them?
1: Okay. Mm. Uh, I, I just see when. I mean, they're just classical. I mean, when you got it.
2: Oh, up- I've Seamater. got one.
1: <laughs> Old Hydra. Oh yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to pimp my own stuff, but. I'm oh, pretty proud of her. Did you make her? Yeah.
2: Wow. That's a an elemental prince, right?
0: Yeah, elemental yeah. princess. Sweet. Yeah, and she's awesome. Here I'll I will send you the link. But uh she is level where is it here? Uh she's level thirty three solo brute. Mm. Uh you could de level her if you want to make her a little bit.
2: Oh no, no, she said level thirty three. No, no, I can do that. They took on Balakoth if they can do yeah, that. But
0: oh, Hydra's tough.
2: Good. Yeah. <laughs> Screw him.
0: <laughs> she's. I, I i modeled her after a giant gelatinous cube. I wanted a level thirty-three solo gelatinous cube. Nice. And uh, it works pretty well. She's. She's. Yeah. She's pretty mean. First appearance of her was in the Fiend Folio. Yep. I, I bought a copy of the Fiend Folio for research. <laughs> I, I got to deduct it in my taxes.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so here's the question then. Why is she down there?
0: Why, um, why does she care about all this? Well, she's a primordial, and she... Maybe she wants the power. Yeah, she's certainly tied... Right, well, so I don't know if you want to tie in the whole... Do you have anything going on with uh, Elder Elemental Lie or anything like that? I don't... I do not, know. I, I don't think that's ever really been tied into Forgotten Realms.
2: Um, it's... It's... It hasn't but, been completely left out of the yeah, of and the you realms, probably
0: but. don't want to necessarily tie it in unless you want to say like, well, the the issues with the Elder Elemental Live are actually also tied to this whole thing. Yeah. But essentially, all of the and this is all from the Monster Manual. I think Monster Manual One and Monster Manual Three had a lot on this. Mm-hmm. That Elder Elemental Live mm-hmm. is the the chained god Tarzadun, and he um, is trapped, and he's trying to get out, and he has convinced the uh, uh, the Elemental Princes. That he is a primordial when, in fact, he's a god. And right. they are all trying to – they were in prison during the Dawn War and they are all trying to escape. And – uh
1: it has some straw far, far Realm links too. Y- y- uh,
0: yeah. There's Dune does. Yes, there's a Dune definitely does. Yeah, there's a Dune definitely yeah, he has created the Amiss. Far Realm. Yeah. He was yeah. the he was the creator of the abyss. He, right. he 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 took a shard of whatever and threw it and it pierced through the abyss and or it pierced through the elemental chaos and created the abyss and whatnot. Right. Um but certainly an avat you know an avatar of Olhydra or a you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the earthly body of Olhydra, which gives you an opportunity to de-level her if you wanted to, or you
2: can just run her as is. No, she's got, she'll go as is.
0: Yeah. Then
2: um now, here, he, what? Help me out here, then. She's, She's got a lot of
0: water-based stuff,
2: <laughs> right? Right, and that'll be, that'll work out really well. Yeah. Um, but one of the the next couple of names coming up on the list after the sisters mm-hmm. are Orcus and Bane, yep, the, the god Bane. Yeah. Um, so, if there's a way of starting to weave in some of the threads of them, I mean, obviously, I've done I've done some of that work already. But if there's some ways to connect her. Mm-hmm. I Just mean, the, the idea
0: that kind of everybody's being drawn to this for one reason or another, either for protecting you know, it, to protect it or to capitalize on the situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, Olhydra, even though she's kind of trapped in her underwater, you know, lair in the elemental chaos, you know, the barriers could be weakening and that could give her an opportunity to try to seek escape.
2: How recent is this article?
0: Uh, it is February.
2: Because it's not in the compendium yet. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know why it's not in the compendium. Is it Dungeon or Dragon?
0: It is Dungeon. Dun- this is a Lord of Chaos article. Lord just chaos. You the link. There we go. There's a great picture ever.
2: Right on. So I just got. I, I just got to figure it, out why she's there.
0: Yeah. If you ever want to, um, if you ever want to reskin, um, what's his name? Um, Zastam, uh, the Yancy Ben in this article might be a good thing to reskin mm-hmm. and then just give them a lot of necrotic power as a potential. Cause I don't think the, Yen, the, 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 Zastam and the thing is way old. And it's, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Cause the Forgotten Realms books were some of the first ones to come out. Yeah. So yeah, it's completely unusable. Yeah. Shoot. I did a whole thing in uh, Paragon tier. With um, the Sharns mm-hmm. that that are in the the Forgotten Realms book, and there's a lot going on with the Sharns that actually are really good, and and that like you know the idea of having multiple multiple uh, actions within within the round and that kind of stuff because they have multiple personalities and all that was all the way back there with that with those guys, um, but there's a lot of stuff in there that just didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, right. like I, I could sort of suss out what they were trying to go for, but it wasn't there. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't very well explained, mm-hmm. which, which was strange for me for fourth edition because they were very clear with everything else at that point. So right. anyway, but anyway, that's the other thing. Okay. I'm going to try to find a way to fit old Hydra and then.
0: Yeah. I hope you, I, I, I'd like to hear how it
2: goes. Um, and I'm going to, I mean,
0: there's a button you can read your old backstory in that article. Right.
2: But I don't know that I'm going to use her backstory. I think I'm going to, I might even just completely reskin her as, sure. As, um, um, what's her name? Umberly. Sure. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Oh yeah. There you go. Sure. Absolutely. Perfect.
2: So so we'll see what I can figure out then. I got to figure out I
0: had a lot of fun running here. If I could
2: find somebody who's connect, who's water based and connected to Bain or Orcus that would help me lay, lay some Mm. of that groundwork. Yeah. I'll have to do some research. Okay. I think I've got some plans. Cool. Yeah, or at least some, some places to start and to build from there. All right. Well, I guess that's been episode four. Yeah. Very good. Good times. Good stuff. I don't think uh, we got too off topic too often.
1: No. Keep your fingers crossed that I can actually play this month.
2: Yeah. yeah. Good
1: get, luck. Get,
2: get on that. Yeah. Jeez. That's right. I, you know, oddly enough, I had I had more time than usual to talk about my campaign, and yet... I didn't get to talk about a lot of stuff I wanted to. I wanted to spend way more time on the advice on building it, building up my next campaign, my next session, instead of talking so much about my last one. But I guess uh, the lesson is that uh, if you let me talk, I'll take up all the space.
1: Mike, <laughs> Mike Shea Jr.
2: That's right. What? <laughs> all right. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.